This is a Cato Special Podcast. I'm Caleb Brown. Financial regulatory reform may be on the table in the future administration of President-elect Donald J. Trump. Thea Brooke-Knight is Associate Director for Financial Regulation Studies at the Cato Institute. She says it may be an opportunity to do some serious policy reform. There are several agencies that deal with financial markets mm-hmm. that uh, have positions that need to be filled by uh, the future President Trump. And from what I understand, the the pool of people is is kind of thin right now. So what what's going to happen? Well, one thing is I'd like to look at a more expansive definition of the pool, because one of the problems that I see specifically with the SEC, but I think it applies more broadly to other agencies, is that the candidates for these positions tend to be Beltway insiders. They tend to be uh, people who went to certain law schools or certain universities, um, and they tend to have a very specific sort of policy-focused background. Um, and I think that we're missing out on the viewpoint of the industry itself. Um, and I think also, you know, especially with the SEC, a lot of the focus is it needs to be New York focused in some ways because that is really our financial epicenter. But the financial services industry is much bigger than New York. And as the SEC's um, reach has expanded beyond just the public companies, and we have a lot more companies that aren't going public that are raising capital through private offerings or through smaller kinds of offerings like Regulation A and crowdfunding, the type of company and the type of issuer that the SEC is overseeing has changed. And so pulling our candidates for the commissioner positions, but also other positions within the agency, um, just from this one narrow pool really creates a kind of tunnel vision in terms of regulation. And there's a certain lack of broader experience in the agency. Okay, so uh, you discussed the SEC, but the CFPB, Richard Cordray, at least as the uh, Dodd-Frank legislation explained his position, uh, that that position is not subject to uh, presidential uh, firing. Yeah, so as Dodd-Frank created the position, it's an independent agency. The president can remove the director only for cause, Um, but last month, the D.C. Court of Appeals, um, the D.C. Federal Court of Appeals, m- issued a decision in a case, PHH v. CFPB, where they declared the structure of the CFPB to be unconstitutional, where you have this one director um, who, after being appointed, cannot be removed by anybody, not by Congress, not by the president, um, for anything except basically bad behavior. Um, And so there's no accountability to the people through an elected official. And there is, as the court noted, no accountability within the agency the way there is, for example, at the SEC. So the president can't remove SEC commissioners um, for anything but cause. But you do have, um, when you have a full commission, five commissioners no more than three of whom can be from the same political party. So you have baked in a certain check within the commission against each other, where any commissioner needs to get another commissioner to go along with whatever program um, that person wants to implement, whereas the director of the CFPB doesn't have that. So the court said that structure was unconstitutional and said that the director must be removable 
at will by the president. So under that court's ruling, um, which is currently the law, unless you know it hasn't been appealed up to the Supreme Court yet, and um, you know it stands until it is appealed, um, the president has the authority to remove the director. So Trump coming in could remove Director Cordray and put a new person in that position. To the extent that uh, Donald Trump has talked about uh, regulatory reform in the financial sector, what has he said and what is uh, a narrowly Republican-controlled Congress likely to go along with? So Trump has said that he would repeal Dodd-Frank, and that is not within the authority of the president um, to do. You know, the president still cannot repeal an entire piece of legislation. Um, but there has been a lot of talk within Congress to um, to pare back Dodd-Frank. I think that there has been, you know, we've been living with Dodd-Frank for six years now. We've seen that the banking sector is really suffering. And I think that while there's still a lot of um, animosity toward the biggest banks, what we're seeing is that the small banks, the community banks, the banks that lend to small businesses, um, they were impacted just as much as the big banks by Dodd-Frank, and they don't have the resources to comply with all the regulations in the same way. So I think that there's a lot of sympathy for these smaller banks, and I think that we could see some parts of Dodd-Frank being peeled back by Congress, um, at least as far as they apply to the smaller banks. All right. So there was there is sort of broad agreement that Dodd-Frank did not get rid of too big to fail. Is that one of the things that's on the table? I would hope so. Um, you know, I, that was the aim was that there should be no more too big to fail. I think that the two uh, sides, the Democrats and Republicans, see what that should look like differently. We've heard from the left um, that we should be breaking up the big banks. I don't think that that's something that the Republicans would support. Um, but we do have, again, another case um, in the DC Circuit Court of Appeals. Um, dealing with this too-big-to-fail designation. So the um, Financial Stability Oversight uh, Council, which was created by Dodd-Frank, has the authority to designate certain companies as systemically important financial institutions, um, and at least as that has applied to non-banks. So for example, um, insurance companies, it's been very controversial. Um, and this is being challenged in the courts right now by MetLife, which is, of course, a large insurance company. And they actually won. Um, at the trial court level. And this is a case that's now up um, before the appellate court. And they haven't issued a decision yet. Um, but I think that there is a lot of concern about this uh, this council's ability to sort of stamp different entities as systemically important, which in some ways, I mean, you know, I don't think that Dodd-Frank's supporters would say that this is what it's doing, but it's hard to see it as otherwise. Um, it's kind of making explicit the implicit federal backstop. It's hard for the government to come out and say that a company is systemically important and then have that company stumble or look like it's going to fail and not have the government come in with a bailout. All right. So broader than uh, Dodd-Frank, are there opportunities for uh, regulatory reform in financial services that that uh, might not be on the on the top of the priority list? I think there are a lot of different opportunities, um, and some of it has to do more with the tone at the top in some ways. I think that if we look at, you know, the SEC is an independent um, entity, you know, that commissioners, as I said, don't uh, serve at the pleasure of the president, but, you know, the president will have the uh, opportunity to appoint a chair. And I think that we've seen um, 
some of the regulation surrounding the financial markets as taking this very fearful approach, um, as that the markets are a dangerous place to be, and there's been a lot of rhetoric about you know getting rid of risk in our economy, and I think that the problem is that risk is is growth. Um, one of the reasons that we've had such a sluggish recovery in many ways is this attempt to wring all of the risk out of the system, um, and you know the chair has some authority to sort of set the agenda. And I think that we could see uh, an SEC chair who took a more growth-based approach to the markets, who saw the markets as a friend of the American people, as something that is the engine behind our um, growth, behind jobs, behind innovation. Um, And then I think on a more granular level, you know, there are a few different rules still sort of hanging out that have been controversial that we could see being repealed. So, for example, the uh, Department of Labor fiduciary duty rule. Um, and I believe that uh, Mr. Trump has has made comments about the problem with this rule. And um, the rule, the idea behind it is to provide more investor protection, um, especially for sort of middle-income investors. But I think that what we've seen is that it's most likely to make providing certain types of investment advice to middle and lower-income investors so expensive because of the cost of compliance with this rule that they'll be essentially priced out. Um, and so they will you know, have access only to um, those sort of algorithmic systems called robo-advisors, um, which you know, have, their, have their place. But um, I think that a lot of people prefer the human touch. And I think that we may see Trump encourage the Department of Labor to revisit this rule. Thea Brook-Knight is Associate Director for Financial Regulation Studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Play, and with Cato's iOS app. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.